Welcome to Watchmen on the Wall, a daily outreach of Southwest Radio Ministries and SWRC.com. Welcome to a brand new month of insightful interviews, timely information, and biblical teaching, all designed to bring clarity to the chaos and remind us that God is still on the throne and prayer changes things. This week, we examine the science of the Shroud of Turin. We go beyond COVID with Billy Crone. We look at the significance of the Jewish Feasts of Tabernacles with Larry Stamm. And today, Josh Peck will dive into the prophecy and science behind asteroids and how this relates to the Wormwood prophecy. All of these outstanding topics and information are brought to you because of your continued prayers and support. Thank you so much for your faithfulness in standing with Watchmen on the Wall. And thank you to all of our faithful friends, individuals and families coming alongside Watchmen on the Wall with monthly sustaining support. You can become a faithful friend today. Just visit the Faithful Friends section of our website, swrc.com, or give us a call, 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. Thank you. Our host, Dr. Larry Spargimino, welcomes Josh Peck back to the program to begin looking into the prophecy and science behind asteroids and how this relates to the Wormwood prophecy. Josh Peck is our guest. He is a visionary documentary film director. He has brought a Skywatch film blockbuster such as The Great Delusion, and Silent Cry, The Darker Side of Trafficking. And I must say, I've viewed that very, very moving, very touching, very shocking. Today, we're going to be talking about his latest film, Ragnarok, Humanity's Last Stand. You know, friends, in the book of Revelation, there's a prophecy about a great burning mountain that falls from the sky, bringing devastation to the world. It is a star that is called Wormwood. And it is referenced in Revelation chapter 8. The Bible says, And the third part of the waters became wormwood, and many men died of the waters because they were made bitter. NASA tells us that there is an asteroid that will miss the Earth by several thousand miles. It's coming in April of 2029. NASA calls the asteroid Apophis, the name of the Egyptian god of chaos. But are NASA's calculations wrong? And we're going to be thinking about that. And I must say, this is an exciting documentary. It's a tremendous tool to be used with your friends for evangelistic purposes. I think it's a shocker. Josh, as always, you produce a really great film. Thank you so much for being with us. Well, thank you for the kind words, and thank you for inviting me back on your show. It is always good to talk with you, Larry. Well, I love the way your film brings in science, history, prophecies, both biblical and extra-biblical, and what we know about the time of the impact on planet Earth. We're not talking about science fiction. I want to make that clear. One of the major TV news channels in the U.S. and also the Jerusalem Post featured stories on Apophis. So tell us about the size of Apophis, this asteroid, and give us the precise date of its arrival in 2029. And will it affect planet Earth? If it impacts Earth, it would happen April 13th, which is actually Friday the 13th, in 2029. NASA right now is saying that it's going to barely skim by the Earth, but it's going to get so close that it would even dip under the 
satellites' orbits that we have up there. Uh, so that's extremely close. There are a million different things that could change this thing's trajectory because they're saying if it keeps going exactly on course the way that it's headed, it'll barely skim past Earth. But what's impossible to take into effect is if it bumps something along the way. Even something small can knock its course off just enough for it to start careening towards Earth. So this object is fairly large. It probably wouldn't completely destroy the Earth, but it would be absolutely devastating. Mm. And if this thing does hit, it'll change the planet forever. Mm. It's bigger than what caused the Tunguska event, which mm. was this asteroid hit, luckily, an uninhabited area in Russia, knocked down a whole bunch of trees, caused massive, massive devastation, right. even created a lake called Crater Lake now. It was Massive. If that had landed on a city, the city would have been destroyed. Man. Apophis is much larger than that. So this would be an absolutely devastating effect. Like you mentioned, we have that prophecy in Revelation. And actually, when you really look at that prophecy, the first five trumpets, but definitely the first four, could all be a chain reaction of the same event. Yeah. When you look at what an asteroid impact looks like scientifically, and then you compare that with the first four trumpets, that is the exact chain of events that you would expect. What's crazy is in that you have something that hits the ocean and you have something that hits the land. So it's yeah. possible that once this thing enters our atmosphere, it could break apart and hit the land and the ocean roughly around the same time, which, again, that would be even more devastating. Right. So it's possible that this Apophis asteroid could be the fulfillment of the Wormwood prophecy that would occur roughly halfway through the tribulation. So if that is in 2029, then time is short for sure. Uh, yes, yes. Well, you have two scientists who are experts in astronomy and mathematics. Dr. Michael Strauss from OU down here in the Oklahoma City area is a particle physicist who works from time to time at CERN in Switzerland. And then also Dr. Jeff Zwierink, I think his name is. So what important contribution do they make to your documentary? And I think this is very important because they're scientists of the highest caliber. They're absolutely brilliant individuals. And I, I wanted to start the movie with the science because I knew we were going to be getting into some prophecy and some stuff that happened with Tom, you know, so I wanted to establish that right in the beginning, there is a scientific backing to all this. Also, both of those scientists are uh, Christians, which is really mm -hmm. cool, too. Yeah. And they don't believe that Apophis is going to hit the Earth. And I wanted to have that viewpoint in there as well, because for me, a good documentary looks at both sides of an issue. Mm -hmm. So I like doing that, too. But they talked about all the scientific aspects of Apophis, you know, how fast it's traveling, when it's supposed to fly by, why they don't think that it's going to hit, and other things. But even they admit that this thing will come extremely, extremely close. And again, something that we've addressed in the film and, and have talked about in other interviews and stuff me and Tom have talked about is that there are all sorts of forces, gravitational forces, effects, even just light shining on an object bounces photons off of it in space and can alter the trajectory. Dr. Michael Strauss in the film even said that NASA, they can't track every single asteroid. If something, I, I believe he said, if it's under a meter, then they can't track it. They don't have a way to do that. So they can't really say that Apophis's trajectory is perfectly clear. Right. 
if it hits something smaller than a meter, that could affect its trajectory and send it closer to Earth. So it's impossible for NASA to guarantee that it's not going to hit. The most that they could honestly say is, you know, maybe it's unlikely, but I wouldn't even say unlikely. I would say, you know, we're going to have to wait till it's a lot closer before we can (laughs) tell for sure. Right. Well, I want to just read a few lines from the uh, NASA website. It says, Asteroid 99942 Apophis is a near-Earth asteroid more than 1,000 feet in size that will harmlessly pass close to Earth on April 13th 2029. When it was discovered in 2004, the asteroid caused a stir because initial calculations indicated a small possibility it would impact Earth in 2029. It is now predicted the asteroid will safely pass about 19,800 miles from our planet's surface. So if it does miss us by 19,800 miles, and as you point out, it could be knocked off course or whatever. But even that far away, that's not all that far. Wouldn't it still affect the the planet Earth, the gravitational pull, the tides, the weather in a very dramatic way? Yeah, you would think so. I mean, even that alone, because the moon affects the tides, and this thing's going to come 10 times closer to us than the moon. Obviously, it's a lot smaller than the moon, so it's going to you know, have a diminished gravitational effects. But even with that close, I would think that it could affect the weather, could affect rising tides, and it still could be devastating even if it doesn't hit. And even if it doesn't hit, there are more flyby dates to come. There's one in 2036, which is, isn't that interesting that that's exactly <laughs> seven years later? <laughs> yes. But exactly seven years later, if it doesn't hit Earth in 2029, it's supposed to come back around again. And then there's even more dates than that. It seems like this thing is going to be orbiting us for quite a while, for at least the next hundred or a couple hundred years. Well, I know the impact from an asteroid that size produces a tremendous amount of energy. You mentioned the Tunguska event in Siberia, June of 1908, was produced actually by a smaller asteroid. And in my reading, it said it released more than 185 times the energy of the Hiroshima bomb. I mean, that is, and it's a smaller one. So to have something that size just anywhere in the block or in the neighborhood is a little hair-raising. <laughs> yeah, it would be completely devastating. The world would never be the same after something like that. Right. You and I well know, and I'm sure our listeners well know, that the nations of the world are divided. Some are engaged in military conflict, China and Taiwan, Russia and Ukraine, China and India, India and Pakistan. But an event of this magnitude that would affect every nation may produce a coming together of nations. In other words, a one-world cooperative effort, if you will, to deal with a common threat. And this certainly fits into prophecy. Oh, definitely. Gary Searman and Tom Horn, both in the movie, theorized even more than that, that this thing could release either some kind of bacteria or ancient virus that's in the Earth's crust, or it could be bringing some kind of pathogen with it. Because we have, immediately after that, we have the mark of the beast. This could be, you know, ushered in as some sort of vaccine against whatever plague right. this, this thing brought. So they theorize even about that as well. So it, this could easily be what brings the whole world together to this final one-world government. I know Tom. Tom Horn makes a good case that it could be a hitchhiker virus that attaches to the asteroid. And, of course, as he points out, there are microbes 
that can live under very hostile conditions like in outer space. And there are extraterrestrial microbes, as in the movie by Michael Creighton, the Andromeda strain. So this might mandate a vaccine mandate, which could be the mark of the beast. I don't favor the present vaccine mandate, but I don't think it is the mark of the beast. And this possible future vaccine could actually alter the human genome so that humans are no longer human. And that's maybe why it's called the mark of the beast. Yeah, that's how I see it, too. Yeah, I definitely don't believe that the coronavirus vaccine, that's not the mark of the beast. But we can see that as an example of how something like the mark of the beast, you know, the mark of the beast in the future, how it could be rolled out really fast and worldwide. Because I used to wonder that, too, when I would read through Revelation. It's like, okay, by the time of the mark of the beast, though, you only had about three and a half years left till Jesus returns. So how are they going to have time to do that? Well, nowadays, I mean, technology has grown so much, they got the corona vaccine out really, really fast worldwide. So we we can easily see how something like that could happen. But as we know, there's disastrous consequences that come from accepting the mark. Not only do you lose the possibility of salvation, but like you said, this could be some kind of Nephilim gene where it, it makes somebody not human anymore, so they don't even have the opportunity to become saved even if they wanted to. But not only that, there's a, the plague of locusts that attack only those who receive the mark, and then there's a plague of boils that come upon the people who have received the mark. It's definitely not a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> right, yes. One of your speakers, maybe you, mentions that there do seem to be some parallels between the plagues of the book of Exodus and the judgments of the book of, of Revelation. And tell us about that. And, and what's really interesting to me is that uh, Dr. Douglas Petrovich, whom we've had on the show, and you mentioned him in the documentary, pulls some of the interesting things out of the Exodus account to really prove that Exodus, all these plagues literally happened. This is not fantasy. It's not fairy tale. It's not some kind of a Jewish myth. So tell us about Exodus and Revelation and what you think this might indicate. Yeah, I think we can read the Exodus account as an example of what these plagues and judgments are going to be in the tribulation, because they, they line up really well. I mean, they're the same kinds of things. But even more, what's really interesting is the chain effect idea, that with the Exodus, you could read each of those plagues as like a chain effect thing happening. The first plague actually starts the second plague, the third plague happens because of the second one. Well, we get that same kind of thing all throughout Revelation, but definitely Definitely in the trumpet judgments that mostly, I think most of that has to do with this Apophis asteroid, if it, if it is Apophis, but it's all really about, it really revolves around Wormwood, and when Wormwood right. hits after the fourth trumpet, then you have the fifth trumpet, which is when the locusts are let loose. Now, these won't be like the locust plague of the Exodus. Again, that's just a, that's a small example. These are demonic locusts that will cause devastation, so that's like the very next thing after Apophis, the bottomless pit is opened. So we can definitely see parallels between the two and kind of get a sense of how some of this is going to play out in the tribulation. I want to read the second trumpet judgment and the third trumpet, and I think it really points out what what you're pointing out. Okay, verse 8, which is the second trumpet judgment, says, And the second angel sounded, and as it were, a great mountain burning with fire was cast into the sea. Now notice that. It's, It's like the third trumpet. And it says, The third part of the sea became blood, 
and the third part of the creatures which were in the sea and had life died, and the third part of the ships were destroyed. And then, as we come to the third trumpet, it says, and the third angel sounded, and notice, there fell a great star from heaven, burning as it were a lamp, notice that, and it fell upon the third part of the rivers and upon the fountains of waters, and the name of the star is called Wormwood, and a third part of the waters became Wormwood. So I think we see the sea being affected, the fresh water being affected, and then, of course, we come to the fourth trumpet, and the third part of the sun was smitten. So this could be an event of such proportions that there's just a hellish outbreak. I mean, there's no great time span between these trumpets, one after another. I mean, you know, we just look at the third trumpet, but hey, what about the third trumpet? What about the fourth trumpet? What's going on? What about those people who are left on earth who haven't known Christ? They weren't taken away in the rapture. It's going to be awful, far worse than maybe we even thought to be to be on the earth during the tribulation. Absolutely. I completely agree. That's why anyone listening now who's not saved better get saved Amen. right now. Accept Jesus and, and don't miss your chance to escape this stuff. Well, several years ago, uh, Dr. Douglas Petrovich wrote a paper, and in it he said that Amenhotep actually adopted a Semitic deity as his own personal deity one that would protect a person from plagues. And the plagues were against the god Resif, known to the Greeks and Romans as Apollo. So, boy, you, you bring out that Yahweh, the Lord God, is not only victorious over the Egyptians, but even more significantly is the fact that Yahweh, the Lord God, demonstrated that he was victorious over these men and their gods. This magnifies the power of our God and the fact that Wow, we have to believe him. We have to believe in his name. We have to obey his word. We have to tell others about his son. This is very powerful as far as I'm concerned because, like you say, we need to get saved. If you're not saved, you need to get saved and put your faith in Jesus Christ. Amen. Absolutely. This is another aspect of the video. I want to talk a little bit about evangelism. Tell us, and we'll get into this in the in our next program, but tell us about the significance of Bible prophecy and especially scientific announcements, like the announcement of NASA, that this thing is real. What, how can we use that in telling others about the necessity of coming to Christ? Oh, absolutely. And this is why prophecy and understanding prophecy is so important, because we have fulfilled prophecies all throughout the Bible, like indisputable, like they predicted something and, and it happened. And we have that all throughout history to, to the point where it's just astronomically, it's impossible that people could have just guessed all this stuff right. So if we know those prophecies, we can take those to somebody and say, see, this happened in history, this happened in history, this happened. Well, look what it says about the future. So if it's right about, if the Bible is right about all this other stuff that has happened, right. it stands to reason it's going to be right about this stuff too. So Jesus is real. <laughs> he died for your sins. Accept him, and he promises that he will take care of you. So I think prophecy is a huge evangelistic tool that we should be using. I agree with you. And in our next show, we are going to have a next show because we are hard up against the clock and we're about out of time. In the next show, we're going to be getting into some of this material in more detail. Friends, it's so important. This is the accepted day. Now is the day of salvation. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. 
We have much more from Josh Peck on humanity's last stand, and it'll be here next time on Watchmen on the Wall. Today, we have Josh Peck's explosive documentary entitled Ragnarok, Humanity's Last Stand. In this DVD, you'll learn how the Wormwood prophecy connects to our modern age, what NASA is saying about an approaching asteroid, the science, history, and prophecies surrounding asteroid impact, the full vision concerning Wormwood, and what, if anything, can be done about this threat. Order Ragnarok, Humanity's Last Stand today when you call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. Or order online, swrc.com. That's swrc.com. Recently, James Collins had opportunity to hear firsthand what is happening in Ukraine from a missionary that is serving in this war-torn country. In 2009, Vitaly and Natalie Smolin moved from California to Ukraine as full-time missionaries. They were so challenged and so transformed by God's experience that they had no doubt that dedicating their lives to the Lord was what He wanted them to do. Open Door Foundation is the vehicle that they have chosen to establish a strong Christian link from the United States to Ukraine in financial support as well as in support in prayer Today, I am blessed to have Vitaly here in the studio with me from Open Door Foundation Ukraine. Vitaly, welcome to the program. Thank you, sir. Thanks for being with me. Now, you're a missionary, a pastor, and a chaplain in Ukraine, and that's a country that, of course, is in the news quite a bit today. Before we talk specifically about Ukraine, I want to hear about you. Tell me about yourself a little bit. Tell me about your background, your family. Tell me about your call to the ministry. So I was born in Soviet Union outside of Kiev about... 40 kilometers, where the actual war and the disaster happened big time. My parents moved to California when I was nine years old. I grew up in California, finished school and all that, moved to Seattle, kind of went on uh, living and accomplishing American dream. After that, met a beautiful wife that God gave me, had a little princess, but life wasn't going as we planned. I was dying at 26, and that's when I asked God for a second chance in my life. He most definitely did. I promised him to dedicate my life. When Colin came to move to Ukraine, we quit our careers and we moved to Ukraine in 09 and been there ever since. It's been a challenge, but seeing what God's been able to do with us being dedicated and committed to what he sent us to do, especially in the time of war, because the war has been happening since 2014 and I've been involved in it. But in 22, it took a different phase. We went from just to a crazy mode as far as I'm concerned. There's really no way to describe it. It's evil upon evil. But to be there and to be able to be the hands and feet of Christ was truly amazing because God connected us in a way through the 13 years. He used everything we learned and connected with to glorify Him and to be hands and feet. Well, I want to ask you, what kind of ministries have you been doing in Ukraine since the Russian invasion? So the biggest thing is, you know, I call it putting out fires. And obviously refugees, and from 14, we remember, I mean, there was tens of thousands that moved. In this case, there was millions that are moving towards the West. We are located right. in the West, so we opened up a refugee center, a shelter. We were housing people. About 2,500 people went through the shelter. That included meals. That included spiritual support, mental support, something to give them, for, and finding permanent housing. We evacuated, I think, over 15,000 people. That's women and children outside of the East. 
We help to deliver food and humanitarian aid into the east, into the south part of the country. We bought many vehicles. Some of those vehicles were armored vans that are still to this day evacuating children and women from the east. We had a factory that got put on a heart. We started sewing armor carriers for the volunteers, for the chaplains, for anybody that needed it, because that was a shortage. And so we've been blessed to be able to do that. What parts of the country do you minister in? So basically, you know, when it started, it was, you know, all over. Now we're kind of more focused on the southern part where it's pretty active right now, especially it's in the news. And then we have the eastern part of it, which is the Donbass region. And that's where the hottest zones, that's where we try to be more effective. Now, I understand that there is a revival breaking out in Ukraine. Tell me about that. Yes, sir. It's truly, truly amazing because anytime there's hardship, people turn to God because there's no other way. I mean, you have no help and then you got to trust and hope and supernatural because the testimonies that we get from people, from soldiers, some of the things that happen in the war or outside of the war is supernatural. And it's amazing to hear when you're a chaplain or a pastor when someone, especially unbelievers, they'd be like, I prayed to God. I said, God helped me and he helped. The only way to bring hope to them is to hear them out and at the same time then share the gospel. We had more baptisms, water baptism, and that means people are coming to church or becoming members in the last four or five months than in the last three, four years. Wow. Churches are growing because some of the Christians left the country uh, for personal reasons, and it's fine. I mean, it's not safe. There's a war going on. But there's people that can't leave the country, but they moved into places that's outside of their home because they lost everything. The government does help, but the churches and the organizations and nonprofit Christian organizations has stepped in and filled that gap of helping and being hands and feet. At the same time, people want to know why, because we're not charging anything for anything. We're just loving on people and we're not walking around beating them with the Bible. We feed them, we talk to them, we pray with them. They want to know why. And that's the best way of preaching the gospel is when they're asking you why, not you trying to tell them. They want to know why. And it's very easy to share the gospel. I understand that you've ministered to a lot of children in kids' camps, kids' Bible camps in Ukraine. Tell me about that. Yes, sir. Our mission before the war is to work with the children and because that is the future of the country. And we want to actually change the future of the country. We want to influence the kids. And so when the war happened, obviously, that's a big part of what we do. We work with kids. We ran six summer camps back to back, July and August, and we've been able to support about another six camps. So that's we're talking about over 2000 kids that have been able to not just hear, but actually understand the value, what Jesus did and why we need him in our lives. Vitaly, if someone wanted to contact you, you have a website, some way to get a hold of you? Yeah, we have a website, it's smolensministry.org, and there's information there. We try to constantly update to what's happening, and there's emails that you could personally get a hold of us. And we welcome anybody that has a heart that God's calling them to come and actually physically help us with the camps or a Christmas program or whatever their specialty is. They're more than welcome to get a hold of us, and we'd love to see them work alongside. Your wife and children are in Ukraine right now as we're recording this interview, and you're getting ready to go back soon. I'll be back next month because I'm traveling and trying to bring awareness. Thank people that have been part of this amazing event, and at the same time, ask people to help and continue to help and pray for what we're doing in Ukraine. But yeah, the kids and the wife is there helping the refugees and getting ready for winter. We don't know what's going to happen. That's the scary part about it because they're talking about pushing another 250,000 refugees from the east to the West when nobody's ready for that. Well, may God protect you and bless you and your ministry and your family in Ukraine. Thank you so much, sir. Our featured resource today is Josh Peck's documentary, Ragnarok, Humanity's Last Stand. 
This DVD is available today when you call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. Or order online, swrc.com. Tomorrow, we learn more from Josh Peck about how the Wormwood Prophecy connects to our modern age. Be sure to tune in on your favorite radio station by downloading our SWRC mobile app or by subscribing to our daily Watchman on the Wall podcast. Watchman on the Wall is a production of Southwest Radio Ministries and is supported by faithful listeners like you. Visit swrc.com.